0: Welcome to episode 28 of Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the Revelation Bible Study. This is episode 28 of the Revelation Bible Study, originally recorded on November 4th, 2018. I'm Pastor Dan, and it is my privilege to be the host of this virtual church classroom Bible study. We do this as a way of making up for the missed opportunities that happen in everybody's life to go to the church and join with others in Bible study. It is meant to be an add-on or an enhancement to your spiritual journey, but please don't let it take the place of your relationship with a church. I know it's hard to find churches. I know that they're not all the perfect fit, but if you try and you ask around and you go to trustworthy friends, you can find a place that will feel like home. And that's what we hope you find when uh, you come to Shiloh in Jasper, Indiana. You're welcome to be there anytime and uh, we will definitely make you feel like family. But if you're farther away, look for that church. It's out there. Meanwhile, it's time for us to get back to our Bible study. So as we always do, let us begin with worship and prayer. Today is Psalm 29. Psalm 29 is a Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, siren like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as King forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. God, uh, today as we come to study your word, especially as it is found in chapter 14 of Revelation, we're reminded that your voice comes like thunder, like rushing waters, that anything that we've experienced in life, no matter how remarkable, will, will pale in comparison to being in your presence. Like John, we would be overwhelmed, our senses unable to comprehend what we experience, Oh, Lord, help us to never forget how really big you are, how much bigger you are than our lives and our circumstances, how much bigger you are than governments and powers and principalities. Oh, God, help us to never forget that this is the mighty God of all creation with whom we seek an intimate relationship. It is the very mighty God of creation whose voice is like thunder and lightning who can speak And things that did not exist immediately become. It is the voice of the Lord that we seek to hear so that our hearts and minds might be informed. And we do this for your name's sake, Lord. Amen. Bethany, we took a little bit of a hiatus, so the regular weekly listeners will have noticed a week's break. But uh, (laughs) if you're listening to this in retrospect, then you probably don't care that this one came a little later than usual. But anyway, we are back, and we're doing chapter 14 now of the book of Revelation. This is episode 28. And uh, it's hard to believe 28 episodes of this and almost as many weeks, a little longer with the breaks and things. But uh, where we left off the last time, we were learning about the two particular beasts that uh, become apparent in chapter 13. And uh, one of those beasts is uh, a uh, the the. I don't want to say antichrist. That's not the right word, because that phrase doesn't appear in Revelation, and yet it gets used all the time. It's it's the coming ruler. It's the it's the uh, evil dictator. The satanic yeah. dictator is the first of the beasts.
1: Well, and like I said last week, antichrist seems like a or last time seems like a problematic name because he's not really the opposite he's not really an anti-version of christ he is but he's also seemingly too much like him
0: yeah i mean it's uh
1: i think he's supposed to be he's
0: supposed to seem seem like a mirror image yeah um so yeah you know that that would be a correct assumption so so the first beast then is this uh this this world leader who is indwelt with satan and the second one is his uh sort of uh high priest you might say Mm -hmm. who sings his praises
1: his hype man
0: hype man creates an idol for them to worship that can more or less channel the spirit of satan and this uh this is just this terrifying image of this this uh, ultimate idol, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the uh, uh, the threat there is that if you haven't got the mark of of this uh, this person, this world leader, and I'm trying not to use the common phrase "mark of the beast," because again, these are becoming cliche terms, especially among those you know. I I sometimes have to remember that as I'm doing this, I am not talking to people who have lived my life. And sometimes I assume that things are cliche to everyone because they're cliche to me. Mm-hmm. Well, all I can say is, is this kid from Pittsburgh who was, you know, I grew up in Southern Indiana. I was born in Southern Indiana, I grew up in Pittsburgh. And at a very early age, I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, then as a teenager. And and ripe for new influences and things. I end up in Oklahoma, and all of my my Protestant friends in the Bible Belt of a small Oklahoma town, well, they are just eager to see this Catholic kid from back east get transformed into a proper human being, you know, a Christian. And and I don't mean a disrespect, but that's how I look at it now as, as I glance over the many years of my past. And they were talking about things like this back then, the mark of the beast and all this jazz. And so it's always been a very particularly popular thing in my world. But for the sake of our listeners, I'm avoiding the cliche terms because they trouble me, okay? I don't like calling him Antichrist. I don't like using the term the mark of the beast.
1: Well, I think also those those terms are cliche in our Christian world, but also in the secular world, they're, they're so used, overused in the secular world.
0: Well, and
1: people don't know what they mean.
0: You look at the Omen movies from the seventies. Right. And then I think there was some kind of a remake that must not have done very well. Cause I've heard nothing more about it, but, but they also really capitalize on the language of revelation. And yeah. yet they really get it all wrong. Mm-hmm. They really do. Um, there is so much more, uh, than the simple superficial images that people have you know Mm -hmm. but anyway without going off on too much of a tangent my my point is simply this 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 mark uh another one of the popular cliches is that people are already subjecting themselves to this mark because they have a credit card number because because they have a pin number or a social security number Mm -hmm. or uh, whatever, and um, and then there's all this talk about you know putting chips in people just like we do dogs so they can be identified, and and I just think it's all wrong. And what I think is really interesting is that the Bible pretty much told us in Revelation what this mark probably is because because people have a tendency to copy and imitate their heroes. Mm-hmm. So most of the popular fashions among kids are if I were actually interested enough to go online and find out who the superstar is, whether it's some boy band or some, some rock star girl or whatever. And, you know, it, it, there's always somebody who has set a trend that they all copy because they want to admire this person and be like this mm-hmm. person. And then they'll all say it's their own look. And yet they look just like everyone else <laughs> yeah. who's trying to do their own look that happens to look like everyone else who's dressing like, superstar so-and-so
1: go hang out at the middle school forever. exactly
0: you know so a whole lot of individuals acting like uh, herds of sheep mm-hmm. and they're all following the one that they want to be like mm-hmm. now in that spirit i think that this great world leader has this mark probably as a result of his mortal wound that killed him but then he wasn't so dead after all, right. and this mark is probably a mark that people took to to sort of honor him. They so revered this great world leader and so worshiped him that they take his mark as a way of, of you know, imitating him. Mm-hmm. And then it then somebody, maybe this second beast, says, You know what? I think you should just tell everybody if they don't take that mark, then they're not with you. That means they're against you. Yeah. And therefore they shouldn't be allowed to have the limited resources in the world that are uh, remembering that this world is already in a terrible p- condition, as it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and honestly, the longer... You know, I've been studying this book for years, and I've had conversations about this year for years, and it finally dawned on me, this is probably a lot more like one of these post-apocalyptic societies that they put in these movies. Uh, the Postman, Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. right? And, good and,
1: movie, good reference. Yeah, and,
0: and remember the, the bad guy? They all had this sort of like figure eight mark on them. Uh And that meant that they were aligned Uh with him. Yeah. You know, and and what's really going on is is this society is trying to survive in a world where all the natural resources have been depleted, where the whole world's been devastated Mm -hmm. by by something. That's probably closer to what's going on at this point in Revelation than any of the more literal imagination and and by that I mean I've always tell you to take the scripture literally but what I mean is is that that you take the omen for example and they try to interpret it in some spooky way and try to literally apply the images like having Damien with the tattoo of 666 on his head or something you know but I think it's a lot more like one of these post apocalyptic movies I'll say the mailman or the postman yeah
1: I can't remember I think it's called the
0: postman I think so Kevin anyway. Costner, The Postman. It was a good, well, a good movie.
1: We've talked about a lot of stuff, obviously, but we've talked about that, like, Satan's not dumb. He's pretty clever, which is why the Bible doesn't tell us when things are going down and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And <laughs> it seems kind of lame for him to have, like, 666 tattooed. Yeah. Like... I feel like he's probably going to be doing this in a sneakier way, like having this very charismatic person who seems really great, that's got this interesting mark because he had some kind of injury. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, I am so, I am for him. I mean, like you think about elections and the things people do to show their support.
0: Here's one that you guys can Google if you're really interested. And this is kind of humorous. I think it's humorous in retrospect. It's horrible in its reality, if you, you know, go with me here. But uh, the little tiny mustaches right under your nose like Hitler had, they were very popular for mm-hmm. a time. Mm-hmm. And then when the whole world decided that he was the most horrible person that ever lived, yeah, you suddenly... you don't really see
1: people sporting that no, anymore. No, <laughs> even
0: now you don't see people with the little tiny Hitler mustaches. Mm-hmm. Um they were very popular for a mm-hmm. while, though.
1: Charlie Chaplin wore one. That's
0: right. And and then people... He wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, but then people stopped wearing them. Yeah. When, you know, it became a symbol of horror. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not a bad uh, cross-reference. Well, anyway, chapter 14 of Revelation. Uh, in this chapter, we see the return of... Of the The 144,000.
1: 144,000 are back.
0: So why don't you read right up and read us from chapter 14, verse 1 to 5. Can you do that?
1: Yeah. I can do that. Then I looked and there before me was the lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless."
0: this is another one of those pauses that revelation has become pretty famous for Mm -hmm. here you know uh there's a there's a report on the action the live action what's going on and then there's a temporary breakaway where we it's like we're cutting back and forth from the it'd be like watching a war movie where they switch back and forth from the uh, allies point of view to the Axis point of view. I don't, I don't want to use the word enemies because either one would consider the other their enemy. But, but if you could imagine a war movie where um, you know, they show you, well, I don't know, take Tora, Tora, Torah or Midway, one of those, those specific uh, World War II movies that I watched when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, they cut back and forth from the action at Pearl Harbor to the action on board the Japanese fleet, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're seeing two points of view uh, that are climaxing towards the same moment. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be what's going on here. There's this one minute we're looking at what's going on from, from uh, the, the uh, satanic point of view, the next minute we're looking at what's going on from the heavenly point of view and what do we see.
1: Well, the, and I was thinking like news newsroom, like cutting from the studio newsroom yeah, to to yeah. the live reporter in the field.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh so so here's the hundred and forty four thousand. Uh do you remember who these guys are? These were the Jewish missionaries, right? Mm-hmm. And evangelists. Mm-hmm. And they were set apart and marked by God and protected by God so that they could go out and reach the unsaved people of the post-rapture world. Mm -hmm. And they are an especially anointed group. We know they're Jewish because they come from the tribes of Israel, and yet they're special. And now here they are, I guess, having completed their mission up to this point of evangelism which started way back at the beginning of the tribulation now we know there's a seven year tribulation and that there's a three and a half year plain old ordinary tribulation and then there's a three and a half year super tribulation or great tribulation and so now we're into the great tribulation and they're back mm-hmm. and i don't know if this means their mission is accomplished it kind of sounds like it and they're getting a parade
2: mm-hmm.
0: from heaven Mm-hmm. And Jesus is at the head of the parade, the Lamb. Um, I literally was thinking as I was reading this earlier today. This is this sort of reminds me of Christmas. It reminds me of the Christmas story. Now, obviously, Christmas isn't the right word—the birth of Jesus—and it's all the stuff we think about at Christmas time. But what happens? A handful of selected individuals, shepherds. Mm-hmm. See the glory of God and the angels in heaven and there's singing and there's harps and all this. I mean, it doesn't say there's harps, but it's kind of the same idea, right? Mm -hmm. There's this, this amazing interaction between the time outside of space or the place outside of space and time and the shepherds in space and time and they where do they do what do they do when they hear all this they give glory to god and they go rushing to jesus to see you know i just i know i'm really stretching it here but it just i could see similarity between this 14 and the story of his birth i thought there was kind of a similar interaction going on there um and it's interesting because these evangelists have been faithful and they've been faithful, and that's why they're referred to as as uh, uh, virgins, basically mm-hmm. that that they haven't defiled themselves, they haven't lied, they have been on task, and they have not failed, yeah, in any way. And honestly, during a time when you know, like, I mean, the people that are listening to this in in the current situation would say, well, the world's pretty corrupt and it's pretty decadent right now, but can you even begin to imagine how much more corrupt and decadent the world is during the time when these evangelists are doing their thing cuz virtually like mad max yeah all the christians have gone basically and there's a you know new variety of believers but they're they're new believers mm-hmm. they're they're kind of having to figure this out as they go and these people are the ones who are teaching them there these are the ones that are like uh, the new disciples, you know, who, who, you know, if you think back to the Acts of the Apostles and the beginnings of the church, it starts with the apostles who knew Jesus, who explain everything there is to explain about Jesus. They have the help of the Holy Spirit. And then the disciples who follow them, even your dad, you know, being a pastor of a church is teaching people how to be Christians.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But imagine a world where there's no one who can teach them how to be Christians and it turns out that these especially anointed people these 144,000, they they're appointed to the task and uh now god is celebrating their victory um it's interesting because in chapter 13 we heard that the, this beast uh was victorious over the christians and over the believers and uh but obviously not completely obviously some survived right uh at least one hundred and forty-four thousand, and now they're showing up here on zion yeah and uh, i don't know why don't you read um six through uh uh 14 can you do that
1: mm-hmm. then or i saw another 13. angel flying in midair and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth to every nation tribe language and people he said in a loud voice fear god and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come worship him who made the heavens the earth the sea and the springs of water a second angel followed and said fallen fallen is babylon the great which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries a third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labors for their deeds will follow them.
0: Okay. So this is a sort of rally cry. Um, The Antichrist creature is being... Uh, successful in murdering the saints essentially and the 144,000 have been sort of celebrated and lauded here but they've also they're kind of getting their marching orders for the next the next uh, assignment they're now they're going from evangelists to kind of like commandos you know <laughs> and and uh what's really interesting is is that that the voice of the lord says Babylon, you are already defeated. You just don't know it yet. And in the book of Revelation and, and in other parts of the Bible, Zion and Babylon are always juxtaposed or put up against each other in a way that can be confusing. But, but in this case, the easiest way to look at it is, is Zion is the, is the uh, location of, of the center of all of God's activity on earth and babylon is an identifier for the center of all of satan's activity on the earth so they're names that represent the deepest character traits of the two parties okay so babylon is a symbol in this case of everything in the world that is evil and the place from which the evil comes which is from satan's heart mm-hmm. so and then Zion represents the the same thing, but for God's heart, and it's so it's the literally the two places where uh, heaven and hell are both breaking loose from these two places. And this angel, this voice from heaven says, "Babylon, you're done already. You you've already been beat." And um, you know that's that's the declaration here. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I do I picture. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't go here, but, the, you know, we do these every week or so and we have for months and months. So it's hard to forget, hard to remember, you know, maybe what I was thinking or how I felt about it three months ago or mm-hmm. whatever. But right now I'm reading this and and the thought that pops into my mind is this is one of those battle scenes where uh, you've got this 144,000 strong army and the leader is standing in front announcing that the enemy across the way is already whipped and we're going to go in there and this mm-hmm. is this is the end and and all the 40 are yelling and screaming and it's like it it's you know it's the it's like that it just you can well,
1: and i know we're not there yet but i can't help but picture the valley that i've seen yeah where, yeah where an epic battle is going to go down and i can picture the rallying cry happening yeah. there.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, we'll get to that, friends, yeah, because we're get the there. Uh, the Armageddon, or the uh, it's it's got a bunch of different names, yeah. but the Valley of Armageddon. Um, it it is a valley. It's a literal valley, I and mean, it is
1: a wide open field that looks. I'm. Yeah, and it's well,
0: rimmed. It's 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 hundreds of square miles. But it's rimmed by hills. Yeah. It's, it's like the perfect battle basin. It's you the know. perfect
1: staging ground for yeah. like an epic yeah. battle. So.
0: Um, and and so it's not hard when you see it to imagine uh, this incredible battle breaking loose in this I spot.
1: something out of like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's yeah, that's massive. a good image.
0: And, um, and then, of course, this little section closes with the indication that, yes, people have died. Mm-hmm. But their victory, you know, over death is already won. And so as surely as Babylon is going down, these who have died are going up. They're they're going to the place where Jesus is. And
1: it's a really nice juxtaposition because it talks about the people that went ahead and caved and fell in love with the beast. Yes. And what's happening for them. And then it says, but those ones who didn't do it, who refused. Yeah. They're blessed. They're they're okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so. statement, you know, chapter 14 up to this point is making a clear distinction between the ones who did not resist and who followed the beast and those who did resist mm-hmm. and suffered for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then this sort of third group of perfect, like pure yeah. 144,000. So,
1: But it shows that the 144,000 did their task well.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm thinking we should go ahead and finish this. Yeah. We're on a roll here. Chapter 14. You know, I did this in Bible study the other night. <laughs> and people were just kind of blown away. And I thought, well, you know.
1: Some chapters. Sometimes
0: you can stick on a verse or two for a, an hour and a half. And other times you can blow right through a bunch. But... Well,
1: I feel like the last couple of chapters, not so much like. The ones where we were talking about Daniel and stuff. Right, right. The last couple of chapters are pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah. Even though it feels like you could get hung up on the beasts and such. Right. When you actually start digging into them, they're pretty, like, this is this guy. Uh Uh-huh. So, and that's kind of how this one is, like, it's beautifully written as always, but it's pretty clear, I think.
0: Yep, it is. Um, Why don't you read... uh, 14 to the end of the chapter. Mm -hmm. Can you do that? Mm
1: -hmm. I looked and there before me was a white cloud and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on a cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel, who had charge of the fire, came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. Wow. Mm.
0: Well, you know, that uh, from past study, I know that that's sort of uh, a reference to that very battle that we were just alluding to in Arm, uh, the Valley of Armageddon, and uh, it's really kind of unimaginable in a way, but uh, I've been reading a lot lately about the Crusades, and uh, these went on for like 500 years, mm-hmm. you know, and oh my gosh. I will never be able to go back to Israel again without being aware of, I already knew that around Jerusalem there were literally millions of violent deaths that have been suffered throughout the history of that city. But honestly, around this ancient Palestine, in this area that we call the Holy Land, oh my gosh, the millions of people who have died violent deaths and, and... they literally, in the records of the, um, uh, of the Muslim armies and the records of the Crusader armies, and then even later on in the records of the uh, Mongol armies, they all talk about how the bodies would be piled high like cordwood and that no one could stand the stench mm-hmm. of the rotting corpses. That they talk about how blood flowed like rivers um, they routinely executed their prisoners by beheadings and so all of these people, hundreds of them, you know, they they might execute over a period of three days uh twelve hundred soldiers from an opposing army. There's no prisoners unless they happen to be worth something in the way of ransom mm-hmm. ransom. And and so just I don't wanna try to put an ugly picture in your head, but just, you know, imagining frankly uh, over a period of two or three days, 1,200 people being executed by beheading. And then just imagine the piles of bodies and the flowing of blood. I it And yet, you it know, hurts. so that land has absorbed so much blood, human blood, mm. in its history. And this says that ain't nothing mm-hmm. compared to the blood that's going to flow when this final battle takes place. That's... That's kind of mind-boggling, frankly. Yeah.
1: And, um... It says the 1600 stadia is 180 miles.
0: Which we described accurately as the square miles of the Valley yeah. of Armageddon. So,
1: super gross and super Yeah, bad. yeah. And, uh, So, here's a question. Yes. Um, The figure on the cloud with the sickle at the first one... Mm-hmm. Is It says he's harvesting because the earth is ripe. But then it says like that they're squashing the grapes and the wine press. So the first sickle, the first harvest, is that also God's wrath or is that harvesting like saints?
0: No, I think this would be, uh, in my opinion, this is a reference to God's wrath okay. being poured out
1: that's what i was wondering
0: um there's still a judgment doesn't
1: sound quite as violent as the second paragraph
0: right right and and this is this is basically the sickle is an image of of a scythe or a sickle Mm -hmm. you know cutting down wheat and harvesting it Mm -hmm. and um so this is this is sort of a reference to the wrath of god being poured out and remember that uh the chapter 15 begins the plagues of the right. the uh angels mm-hmm. and so this is this is when god starts exacting um retribution okay. against the the fallen people of the earth so we've seen in the beginning of this chapter how the special ones that have maintained the faith and have been particularly uh specially faithful the 144,000 they are being uh, celebrated and sort of gathered in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, these same angels that are singing and, and playing harps, and they're also sort of surrounding these people and protecting them. And they're sort of singing the dead into heaven. And then it shifts, and all of a sudden it's the destruction of Babylon. And we don't want to think in terms of the city of Babylon in this case. What we want to think of in terms of Babylon is all the worldly people who are given over to Satan,
2: mm-hmm.
0: over to this uh, world leader who is possessed by Satan. And uh, so it's it's God uh, giving out retribution now, is okay. the way I read it.
1: Okay. Well, I just think of harvest as a good thing, usually. I mean, I guess grapes being made into wine is usually a good thing, too, but...
0: Well, so listen to to verse 19. It says, The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes, threw them into the great wine press of God's wrath.
1: Right. But up in the first part, it just says, Take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Yeah. So that's why I was trying to figure out if that's like good saintly people being harvested. Because... I think, like when you think of a sickle and a harvest, you think of like the good wheat or whatever being pulled up by the sickle, and then the chaff is blowing back. Like, right. I, that was why I was trying to figure that out.
0: No, I, I get um, you, and and I think um, probably because I'm jumping ahead a little bit, because the next thing that happens, you know, in this this uh, valley, is Christ rides in. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah.
0: And and uh, so it's yeah, it, it's kind of a uh, this is this is the the uh, this is the beginning of the destructions of the army of evil. Mm-hmm. This is this is basically and I think that I don't want to say metaphorically because that's not the right word, but this is also imagery that we can grasp even in our times to make clear. This is the kind of thing that's not very popular to preach, even among Christians anymore. But the reality of this thing that we're reading is is that there's going to come a time when the people who really are evil, who have really given themselves over to the devil. And, uh, and, and they will be everything from mean, vicious, wicked, horrible, evil people to stupid people who are at least smart enough to decide to do what they know is wrong i mean you know it could be so it can range from every kind of ugly Mm -hmm. but they're all going to suffer the same wrath and taking that mark of the beast is going to be the first thing so this is sort of god's uh retribution against the ones who bear the mark you know yeah in in effect okay because it did say after all in chapter 13 that if you got the mark you're done yeah so that's that's the way i'm kind of interpreting it okay
2: uh, that.
0: Well, thanks. Doesn't mean I'm right. Um, and for what it's worth to everyone who's listening, this is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to study. I want you to think. I want you to use your critical thinking skills. I want you to make sure that you don't assume that I'm right just because what I'm saying makes sense um that's kind of how some people are going to get the mark because mm-hmm. it's going to make sense
1: mm-hmm.
0: um don't be baffled by bs
1: some skepticism <laughs> you and know, self-doubt
0: a little good. intellectual exercise is good for you mm-hmm. i told some people the other day you know heresy's not entirely bad because heresy at its best, is simply testing the boundaries to make sure they're still sound. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you force the defenders of the boundaries to make sure that the boundaries are sound. That's not a bad thing. When you're right in your heretical statement, mm-hmm. you become a reformer. Mm-hmm. When you're wrong, you're burned at the stake as a heretic. That—that's what I was saying the other day. And and uh, I'm not you know recommending either one. But my point is is that don't. Don't ever take it for granted that because what I'm saying makes sense that it's absolutely true because even in my good intentions, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's important to, to kind of say, Lord, be my alarm clock, you know, be, be the little parakeet I carry into the mind of Pastor Dan's thought mm-hmm. that, that says there's not enough oxygen here. We got to come up for air, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I challenge people to do that because I don't want the responsibility for their soul. I want to be a guide and a help to them in their spiritual journey, but I don't want them holding me. I don't want the Lord holding me responsible because they put all their faith in me. They put their faith in the Lord. That's what they do. And uh, the Lord I've come to know has certain truths that he's revealed with me and through me, but they're not unique. You know, these are other other sources that can give you these same things and validate what I said. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, with regard to that, we, some of us went to a meeting this week of church leadership in our denomination. And I was pleased when we came home from the meeting, because it turned out that everything that we were told by the denominational leadership was consistent with what I had been telling people about the situation for months. And it made me happy because it meant that at least I was telling what is known to the best of my ability, and I had accurately interpreted it so that people weren't being misled by me, and that made me really happy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's what I want them to say about this, so use your critical thinking skills, Um, you saw me racking my brain a second ago, Um, one of our favorite listeners came to me, a neighbor of ours, and, and told me something that she wanted me to consider, and I forgot.
1: Oh
0: no. And and you know, uh dear one, it's because we didn't write it down and and I'm getting old. Um you were carrying your tray full of goodies one way and I was carrying my tray in uh. another direction and we stopped and talked for a moment and I didn't write it down. And uh so write me the question that you had and uh, send it to us in a, in a email or a text or something because we want to address it mm-hmm. and uh but thank you for acknowledging that you heard the request for your responses um it's more fun this way oh, so nice? so ask your questions make your comments uh if nothing else just give us a little pat on the back if this is a blessing to you because uh you know, we were watching a football game this afternoon and going, "Well, we better get in there and get this podcast <laughs> done," which isn't to say that we don't enjoy doing it, but it means that we're humans and we, we were, were pretty comfortable really comfy on our couch. On
1: the couch watching football, you know,
0: all. <laughs> and uh, and so if this blesses you, then say thanks for getting off the couch. That'll mean <laughs> a lot to us. It really will. Bethany, you got anything else for us?
1: I don't think so.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. It's a real honor to serve you in this way. We're, we're really, really humbled by your faithful attention. This uh, podcast comes to you as a ministry of Shiloh United Methodist Church. If you'd like to know more about Shiloh United Methodist Church, you can look us up on the internet at shilohum.org. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-U-M dot O-R-G. And uh, you'll learn quite a bit there. Stop by and see us if you're in the neighborhood. We'd be glad to meet you. And for now, thank you and God bless you. Goodbye.